Welcome to Team Peds Talks, newest series focused on nurse practitioner leadership and career development, brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, or NAPNAP, an organization of experts in pediatrics and advocates for children. Thank you for joining us today for our episode. This series of podcasts includes conversations with expert leaders in pediatric healthcare with a focus on advancing career development and leading change. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Klein-Tilford, NAPNAP's Executive Board President. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner director at C.S. Mott Children's Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and a mother of two children. Greetings and welcome to this episode on nurse practitioners opening their own practice. I am so proud to be joined today by Samantha Castleman and Tiffany Zook, both pediatric nurse practitioner entrepreneurs leading the way in independent practice through opening the doors of their own practice, one in pediatric dermatology and one in pediatric primary care. Samantha is past president of the Arizona chapter of NAPNAP, founder of the NAPNAP Dermatology Special Interest Group, and chair of the newly formed NAPNAP Membership Committee. She has worked in pediatric dermatology for nine years and has presented nationally at several NAPNAP chapter events. And Tiffany has been a nurse for over 23 years, the last seven as a nurse practitioner in pediatric primary care. She has a special interest in holistic care and vaccine hesitancy. So I would like to thank you both so much for joining me today for this conversation. I am so excited about it. So let's start with telling our listeners a little bit about each of your practices. So Samantha, let's start with you. Thank you, Andrea. And thank you for allowing me to share my journey into nurse entrepreneurship. It's very exciting. I live in Arizona and I started a mobile pediatric dermatology practice called Happy Skin Dermatology. I actually named it after a patient because we would always laugh about the fact that we're trying to make her skin happy. And that really resonated with me and um, helped me to choose the name of the practice. I get to see patients in their homes via telehealth in the office. Uh, I also share a space with two family nurse practitioners, um, or I could even see patients via an asynchronous visit, which is like a photo review. So I have a lot of um, exciting things with the practice in place for patients. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I love that. So innovative. That's really great. All right. So Tiffany, how about if you tell us a little bit about your practice? Yes. So I have a a practice, Holistic Home Pediatrics, and um, I am all home visit and telemedicine. I do not have an office. Um, I go to families um, and often when I'm doing telemed, it's in my car in between visits to homes. Um, but I am taking the, um, stress and anxiety over being in the office and long wait times, uh, shared waiting rooms, all sorts of things and taking that out of the equation and going to the family. I, uh, offer longer visits. And so most of my visits are 45 minutes to an hour to really make sure that I am holistically meeting, uh, patients and families needs. Well, that is really terrific. I love that. I have to say the patients and um, the families have to really be excited about that personalized care that you deliver. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm really interested in hearing about how you decided to make the leap and opening your own practice and how much experience do you think someone would need to have before considering um, opening their own practice? So I, um, I was really facing a crossroads uh, in practice. I have struggled because of the way that I provide care. I have, uh, I really care about, you know, as I've mentioned, holistic care, but I, I really care about, about making sure that my patients are listened to and feel heard and that we're meeting all of the needs. And that's really difficult to do in 15 minutes slots and seeing 30 patients a day in the traditional um, pediatrician office setting. And so I really was facing a crossroads um, as I'm at a point in life and looking at the next days of life and being an empty nester um, of what I wanted my life to look like. And uh, I really was facing either leave practice or figure out a better way to do it. And um, COVID really made it a little bit easier to embrace this model of home visits and telemedicine. And uh, a friend of mine really kind of pinned me down and said, you really should do this. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, I really uh, dove into what this would look like. And really, it's a great option because it's very low overhead. And so I have very few extra expenses and it's allowing me to really, really provide care on my own terms. Um, I've been doing primary care. I've been doing, I've been a nurse for a long time. So um, I've definitely been interacting with families and interacting with patients for a long time. Um, primary care, seven years. Um, and, and I do think it's important to have some experience. I do think it's important to work in a traditional practice and to really hone your skills and know your, your limits. Um, I would say it's very important to know, know not only your limits, but what your resources are. Um, I'm at a point in life and practice where I know who I could call for most given things. And I'm not afraid to tell a family that I don't know something or that we need to figure this out. And I think that's, that's vital if you're going to be in practice for yourself. All right. Wow. That is so fascinating. And really you're delivering care and really a novel way too. And I, I just love that. Um, so um, Sam, how about if you tell us a little bit about how you decided to make this leap into owning your own practice or opening the doors of your practice? So it must be almost like a seven-year itch for nurse practitioners in their practice, because I also have been a nurse practitioner for about seven years. And I worked at the same hospital organization since the start of my nursing career in 2009. Uh, COVID also brought about some changes for me. Unfortunately, the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey started after the death of my father from COVID-19 in 2021. But I really see that um, as a catalyst for almost a year-long self-exploration into what I needed to fulfill myself professionally, personally, and that led me to see slowly over the course of that year that I was practicing in a way that I, I wasn't comfortable with anymore in the exact ways that Tiffany expressed. Patients were continuing to have issues working through a large healthcare system. I would hear many complaints about the struggles that they had and even just simply trying to get a hold of me. It seemed like every single meeting at the hospital was a revolving issue of the same problem that we hashed out the year before. And because I'd been at the hospital for so long and knew my way around um, the processes and the people and the leadership, it continued. It was just, I, I, I couldn't do that type of work any longer. 
And it wasn't an emotional decision. I'm really happy to say over the course of the year that I really thought about it. I did not want it to be only because of the death of my father that now my whole life needs to change. But it was really just a slow evolution of my identity doesn't lie in this hospital. And my identity is not in the fact that I was built up in this dermatology practice and this is where I need to start and die, which is what that mindset was at the beginning. And so even though I would never have wanted to lost my, lose my dad because of that, at least there was a lot of good that came out of it. Oh, thanks so much for sharing that, that path and that journey with us. When, you know, thinking about opening a practice, there's so much to consider, um, whether it's footprint, staff, supplies, marketing, you know, where, where do you start? And did you have a mentor that helped you along the way or any other resources that you were able to consult um, when putting the, all these pieces together? And so Sam, let's start with you. So first, I'd love to publicly shout out my mentor, Judith O'Haver, because without her, I wouldn't be the NP that I am today. But Judy couldn't help me on this one. Um, I was left to researching best practice on my own and starting a new business. And at the time, I didn't know anybody, any nurse practitioner, especially a pediatric nurse practitioner who had gone down this road in Arizona. So because I have a background in IT um, as an IT clinical analyst, I started shopping around for EHRs first. Having a good EHR and a good process flow was really important to me. I want the patient experience to be streamlined, easy, um, not only for them, but also for me. So that's naturally where I gravitated towards. And then I almost took a lit review, like strategy of sorts, where I just researched everything possible. And that goes along with just the type of learner that I am. <laughs> I have to research, research, research until I'm blue in the face. And then I needed to find other experts in the field to help validate what I had figured out or thought that I had figured out. Um, and then just to reaffirm that I'm on the right path. Um, I did end up getting another friend um, separate from Tiffany who ended up um, being on the same journey as I was at the same exact time. So then we were able to kind of join together and share experiences and knowledge with each other. Oh, wow. That's really great. Um, what about you, Tiffany? So it's really kind of funny that, that uh, Sam and I have had such parallel paths. We've been in process for about the same amount of time, but only um, in the last couple of months have really uh, connected with one another once I went public with my with my practice and and she had noticed it so um, it's because our, our processes have been uh, have been similar uh, similar but different um, I'm not quite as uh, analytical I'm kind of a, a jump first and figure it out second type of person um, and I do have to shout out to my mentor as well Lori Phipps uh, who uh, has been mentoring me since I did my uh, doctor of nurse practice degree at University of Arizona. And she is a solo practice owner in Colorado. And so she's really, um, you know, in some ways tried me, tried to talk to me, talk me out of it at several times and uh, in other ways really kind of helped me go in with, with eyes wide open. Um, I really looked more at what I want things to look like first and then found 
the the pieces of the puzzle. Um, I one of my early decisions was my EHR as well, and for very similar reasons to Sam, because at least initially it's me myself and I. I don't have staff. I don't have anybody helping me, you know, answer phones or or anything like that. And so I needed an EHR that was going to be pretty uh, have a good portal interface for for families and um, and that process to build that out and to get that up and running is several months. And so that was one of my earlier decisions. Um, but for me, one of the biggest points was also just making a decision when it when when was going to be go time. And uh, and then to, like I said, jump first and, and think second for me. <laughs> but that's going to be different person to person. Um, I, I do the best with my back against the wall. And so for me, that was a that was a good strategy. Excellent. So I, I think I, I know this based on already what you told our listeners today about um, patient experience, holistic care, but what kind of feedback are you getting from your patients and their families about the care that you're delivering and, and in your setup? So Tiffany, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners a little bit about that, um, that would be great. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. It really has been so neat and it has, um, I keep saying that that I have joy. Uh, I have joy again for the first time in a long time. Joy in the whole big picture, not just in the patient interaction. Um, I have gone from you know patients having to wait in the waiting room to get brought back to the room, potentially up to forty five minutes to an hour before they see me because I'm giving everybody the time that they need. And uh, if you imagine doing that with multiple children and toddlers and climbing the wall and, and whatnot. So families have absolutely loved it. Um, I have arrived at homes and kids are still in pajamas and it's, it's beautiful because they can be. And uh, one of the best parts of a, a home visit is that they, they are not only in their own environment, but also they're able to play and you know, do their thing while I have time to speak with a parent and really get the whole overview of, of, of what we are um, addressing. And it's much easier to do that in their own home environment than in a, um, a, a little box, as I call it, the, the exam room in an office. Um, it's almost like, like a, a cage for toddlers. So, um, and hard because they've already been, you know, they've already been waiting. So it has really been wonderful. Um, and families have just loved it. Um, and word has spread quick. So, uh, it's been great. That's really amazing. Before we move to Sam, I'm curious, what is your radius that you travel to do um, <laughs> visits? So I, I travel quite a ways for some patients. Um, my farthest is about 40 miles away, 45 miles away in Maricopa outside of the Phoenix area. Um, and I, uh, I do, ch I do charge a surcharge after we get beyond a 30 mile radius. And I do give a discount within a 10 mile radius of where I live, which is, is central to the Phoenix area. So, um, so that can get a little bit challenging, but, um, you know, if I have one patient in a community, I try to get a few more in a community so that we can we can um, schedule things together. And uh, some days they're a little bit wonky, and I'm putting lots of miles on my car. But um, other days, it's it's worked out pretty well. Oh, that's terrific! All right, Sam. So, what about what have you heard from your um, patients and your families on your practice, Sam? 
I think the biggest thing for patients is that it's much easier for them to get in contact with me. So I have easy online platforms where they could text or call, but usually I'm busy. I'm still working part-time. So if somebody calls me through Google, more than likely I'm not going to answer them. But the phone system that I have automatically sends them a text. And so yesterday a family reached out. I was busy at work already on another meeting and it shot them a text. And then I was able to go back and forth with them to find a time and a day that we could meet. And in an asynchronous visit, she could have sent photos, history, and I, in about an hour, probably could have seen the um, information, created an evaluation, sent prescriptions if needed, and then we're done. So I'd say that the ease of the clinic visit is probably the best feedback that I've had. And from my perspective, it's been really nice to be able to create education that I deem is necessary. And I don't need to go through a committee to get that approved in order to provide that to my patients. Oh, that's for sure. All right. So let's talk a little bit about hurdles. So when getting this going, getting the practices going, um, well, can you tell our listeners what, what was the biggest hurdle when doing that? And um, Sam, if you don't mind, let's start with you this time. So I think a lot of nurses will have an issue, uh, just like myself, with having a business mindset. That business mindset has been really challenging for me to get over because if I could provide free care to everybody, I certainly would. If I had all the hours in the day to do so, I would do it and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, so charging for, for care is very challenging for me. And a lot of my visits end up being about 45 to 90 minutes at one point. Um, granted, these are new eczema families that I've created a home audit um, of sorts for eczema management, which can take a long time. So I'd say that that hurdle with a business mindset has been my struggle where I don't know exactly when to say no. And if I'm in good conversation with a family, I'm not going to cut it off. But the beauty is that I'm my own boss and I could choose to do this if I want to. Um, but perhaps it, I shouldn't have two hour visits with everybody. <laughs> So Tiffany, what about you? What any hurdles that you faced? I can definitely much of what Sam said resonates. Um, it is, uh, it's, I think I was frustrated enough by the lack of being um, compensated for my worth that it was a little bit easier for me to get over the hurdle of charging for my services. Um, and, you know, but, but it's a challenge. We're givers, nurses that by, by nature, we are givers. And so I agree, I would love to give free care to everybody and still be able to afford to pay all my bills. Um, but uh, I think for me is knowing when to ask for help. Um, it's, it's, it's a common issue for me. I think it's a common issue for many in the helping fields. Um, because we are the helpers and we, we kind of figure that we need to, we should know everything. And on the business side, I think um, learning to get the right people um, in, uh, you know, on my team as per se, you know, my, my uh, bucket of resources, um, you know, having a financial planner, having a, um, a good accountant that can help me on things. Cause that is not my, I mean, I'm a healthcare provider. I am not at all an accountant. And so, so I think figuring out 
all of those uh, resources has definitely been a big hurdle. Um, and then as Samantha said, you know, knowing when, you know, when you go to a patient's home and, you know, I just had this happen on Friday, they've made me a latte and I'm sitting and I'm enjoying the conversation and, you know, knowing when to end the visit and, um, and having, continuing to have those, those uh, boundaries and guidelines so that I'm not spending the night at their house. <laughs> right. Well, these patients and families are so lucky to have both of you. This is amazing. And I wish I lived closer so I could bring my kids to you. Um, so we talked a little bit about hurdles. What about, can you tell us a little bit about biggest rewards of opening your own practice? And so Tiffany, if we can start with you this time. I think for me, it is just the time. It's the gift of time. Um, families need, and I really think it's more than just need, families deserve our time and families deserve to be heard. And so for me, the reward of seeing, um, you know, I had a, a patient last week who I have been seeing, you know, for quite a while and know well, and until we had the time to really sit down and put pieces together um, we realized that we were missing something fairly big with him that we could have intervened on um, sooner, given less hustle, less rush, and um, you know less stress of a fifteen minute, fifteen to twenty minute appointment in uh, in an office. So really, it's been um, the gift of time, not only for myself personally, but also for my my families. Yeah, that's really wonderful, um, Sam. What about you? I feel like I'm finally practicing in the manner in which I felt I was going to when I was in school and having that feeling of almost arriving to that, that end point, which I thought was going to be there when I first became a nurse practitioner and fell short in some ways is now completely fulfilled. And I can't tell you how excited I am for the future in the practice. That's really great. Um, all right. So this is super exciting, but definitely a huge leap. And as a nurse, and we talked about some of these and, you know, owning your own business, I mean, it's definitely out of the comfort zone of most nurse practitioners. So, um, can you share any tips with our listeners who may be considering taking this leap? And so Sam, we'll start with you this time. So as we talked about do in part to my learning style being very analytical, I do recommend that you both do your own research because there are many nationally known nurse entrepreneur organizations. However, they're not specific to your state, your interest, your niche, or your general primary specialty. And they will give you a broad understanding of what you should know when you're going into an independent practice ownership. However, you need to be more granular with your relationships in your local area so that you're reassuring yourself that you're establishing a practice that is sound, needed, and legal, legally sound. Um, and that's what these larger national organizations um, will not provide you. That's some really good advice. Um, Tiffany, do you have anything to add? Yeah, the only thing that I would add, I, I agree 100% is, um, is that if you have a vision, don't settle. If you have a vision and you're in a situation where that vision, like Sam had mentioned, uh, finally being able to practice the way she envisioned, I echo that. And um, I think 
you know, if you're not there yet, and sometimes we think that we're there in the position that we're in and we get in it for a while and we're like, oh, no, we're still not here. Um, don't, don't settle. Keep asking questions. Keep, um, keep looking for a way to do it that uh, you can, as I say, sleep well at night um, when you do. Well, I have to say, this has been such an inspirational uh, uh, podcast for me today. I just, I've loved this discussion. And as we wrap up today, I do have one last question for each of you and shifting gears just a little bit, but on your journey to become a nurse practitioner leader, which you both are, um, what one piece of advice was most impactful for you along your journey? Hmm. I think, um, I, I, I think, and it sounds cliche, um, but it's a combination of just do it and you can do it. And, um, realizing, uh, that there is always a way, um, it's something that I speak about a lot with my, um, almost grown kids that, you know, don't, just take an obstacle as, as the final word, there is always a way to get something done. And that has really fueled me, um, in every area of life, not just in, in opening a practice, but, um, there's always a way. Love that piece of advice. What about you, Sam? So mine is going to be a little different because it was actually perhaps a rude comment that was given in a loving way. Um, but I was leaving for my maternity leave with my first child. And at the time I was the plastic surgery lead in the department. And I felt that leaving the department on maternity leave would mean that everything would fail. The life would not go on. And I had an anesthesiologist tell me, and granted, we were very friendly. She said, Sam, no one will care when you're gone. Life will go on without you. And she said it in a, in a nice, in a way that really snapped me out of the fact that my job is not my identity. And that's what I really hold on to in that this is just a job, even though I love it, even though it's part of the purpose for my life. But my old job that I thought that I would stay in for my whole career is now no longer there. And that's actually better for me. So it really honestly helped me to understand that even though the work that I do is very important, that my identity is not only in my profession. So important as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that piece of advice. You know, this has been such a wonderful conversation and I really don't want to wrap up, um, but I would like to extend my sincere thanks to both Sam and Tiffany for sharing their time and expertise with us today and for being truly an inspiration to all nurse practitioners as you practice to your full scope. For our listeners, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining on this episode of Team Pete's Talks, focused on nurse practitioner leadership and career development. Please listen to our entire series, which launches episodes on Thursdays. The National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners has other Team Pete's Talks podcasts to share with the pediatric healthcare community, including conversations on child health equity, child and adolescent mental health, and pediatric emergency care. Thank you for joining.